Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. In this episode, we hear from Dora Palfi, founder of Image Labs, the all-female founded Stockholm-based startup that aims to make coding more accessible to teenage girls. Dora shares how being determined to solve a problem she had identified ended up in her creating her business idea. She also shares strategies around how to measure your own success, as it is important to get job satisfaction and validation from your work when you don't have a boss. Or in fact, you are the boss. Thanks, Dora, for joining How to Start Up today. It would be wonderful if you could take us through your background and the bit about your company that you started. Yeah, thank you so much for for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here to give you a, a quick overview. So, right, my name is Dora, and I'm originally from Hungary, from Budapest. That's where I, I grew up, and then I embarked on an international uh, degree. I studied at NYU in Abu Dhabi and in New York, and my background is actually in neuroscience. But I got interested in in programming as I saw technology and, and computer science as sort of a tool to achieve things, to make a change. And then that led to essentially a couple internships and a master's degree in tech, which then led to starting my company, Imagilabs, where we are equipping and empowering girls to shape the future with tech. And really sort of the basic premise to that is that I truly believe that technology is our future. As I mentioned, my interest also emerged from essentially just seeing that coding was a tool that could help us get things done. But I noticed that both in my studies and in my internships, I worked at companies like Morgan Stanley and Cisco. You know, women were very heavily underrepresented. And so essentially, my thought was that for us to have an equal chance to shape the future, we need more women and we need more diversity among the creators of technology. And so that's how I got the motivation, essentially, to start a company that would get girls excited about coding and technology. That's incredible. And I completely agree with everything you just said. It's so true. That is our future. And why are we not empowering half of our workforce in it? It's crazy. So thank you for doing this for everyone. What was it you did first when you started your business? So... It wasn't sort of like an overnight decision of wanting to start a company. Actually, this whole base of of women in technology and diversity in tech is something that I've been working with for quite a while. Already as a university student, already in my undergraduate degree, I started a student organization together with my current co-founder of the startup as well. That was to empower women in STEM. And I, I started several uh, initiatives and I attended you know, a lot of events, teaching kids coding for several years. I've been part of several networks for women in tech. I was lucky to be a, a scholar and attend the Grace Hopper Celebration, which is its largest uh, event uh, for women in tech. So I've been sort of in this space of women's empowerment in technology. Uh, and I was lucky uh, to be part of a lot of these networks. But what I felt like that this is such a huge problem. And like you mentioned, we should really empower half of our population. And so while events and, you know, uh, workshops to teach coding are great, but maybe they are not at a scale that you could have change um, quickly enough. 
And so when I was doing my master's degree in human-computer interaction, I had a design research project where it was essentially the prompt was to work together with your end users to co-create um, ideas. And so I brought together um, with my teammate about 40 teenage girls and we brainstormed about product ideas of things that they would want to use to learn coding. And the reason why we specifically focus on teenagers is because essentially what we've seen is that when girls and boys are younger, when they are kids, they have a more similar interest for technology. And so this is both our own research and other research. So there's a study by Google and Gallup that shows that until the age of 11, boys and girls have a similar interest for technology. But in the teenage years is really when girls lose their confidence and interest. And so I had this research project and we came up with several design features and, and product ideas that would make it fun for girls to learn coding. But it wasn't like an overnight decision, like, oh, I'm going to start a company right now. It was more like a side project. And, you know, I've always been the kind of person who always had so many things going on. You know, I was very active, involved with a lot of initiatives. But then there was this idea of this product, of this uh, company, potentially, that just started to take up more and more of my time and my, my space. <laughs> and essentially, <laughs> it just made it easy to say no to other opportunities that were popping up. And then eventually... It was like, okay, we should do this full time. But it wasn't until we actually had a first customer who wanted to pay us that we actually set up a company. Oh, that's interesting. So it was more a gut feeling as time went through, you got a sense of where your heart was leading you and your gut was leading you. And then suddenly it became a really obvious thing for you to then launch. So yeah, it was more of a... A transition because it was out of my master's degree. So I was actually 24 years old when we set up the company. And, you know, yeah, it was more like, let's try this extra step. Let's gain more uh, validation that what we're working on actually makes sense and, and really just resolve the problems as they come. And so exactly as you said, once someone wanted to, <laughs> to pay us, it was a problem to be resolved that we officially needed to register a company. And it's that validation that somebody else believes your idea as well, isn't it? Exactly. It's a nice feeling when that first invoice is paid. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was the best piece of advice that was given to you when you started? And does it still hold true? Of course, one advice that I really cherish is, is how asking for help is a strength, not a weakness. And that I truly believe. And so I've been, I feel like I've been embracing this fully. I tend to ask for help from other founders, from, from other people in the tech industry all the time. In my experience, when you, you know, when you're working on something that you're truly passionate about and you have sort of specific questions, even very, very busy people are willing to give some of their time and expertise to you because, you know, you're, you're clearly going to use that knowledge to, to something. Exactly. And I mean, hence this podcast, that's exactly where it's come from is the fact that I had lots of questions for lots of people <laughs> and wanted to aggregate it somewhere. Um, and who do you listen to now for advice? Is there a really good go-to source that you gain a lot of information from? I think as you progress through your company growing, of course, you, you turn to new and new people for new ideas and you're tackling new problems. For me, it's been a mix of, I, I've been reading a lot. You know, I've read all the typical startup books. I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, but I also really enjoy actually talking to, to other founders. You know, there is a value to talking to people who have built really successful companies and that's always inspiring and they can give you great advice. But for me, it's also really important to have sort of peers, especially founders who are just a little bit ahead of you so they can really relate to the problems that you're going through. Uh, building this network of, of founders who are in similar stages has been extremely valuable to me. And then one thing I, I tend to say these days is that I realize 
realized that actually going back to my own notes is so, so valuable because, you know, uh, we have this tendency of just like looking for new knowledge out there. But at the end of the day, I've been working in this company now for two and a half years. So actually just going back to some of the ideas and the thoughts that we, our team has had previously is very valuable. And, and so we also have to learn from our, our past selves. Yeah, for sure. What is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself since you've become your own boss? I don't know if it's the most surprising, but definitely, I think one of the most important things to to learn is just that like, if we really want to solve a problem, we will find a way to do it. And this has been such a positive reinforcement cycle, which I, I think is extremely important in the, the startup journey, that you're learning that you've been able to resolve problems before so that you have the confidence that you will be able to tackle whatever is coming up next. That's so true. There's so many unknowns like, I've never done this before, but I didn't know how to do that other problem either. And I solved <laughs> that one. So it's quite nice sort of blind confidence that you'll find the way. <laughs> or like, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it happens a little too late. But I think that's also an important sort of lesson. I think if you have this long term perspective of where you want to be going in five to 10 years, then you can also, you don't need to apologize to yourself to, for making mistakes. It's part of it, you know, it's okay. So I think giving yourself that permission to just make mistakes, but it's better than not making the decisions and not making, you know, any sort of um, choice. Uh, it's much better. So I think that's also something I learned to just not to dwell too much on, on mistakes, but learn from them and move on quickly. It's, I was going to say, is there anything that if you'd met your same self three years ago, you would have said, you need to know this? I think about this sometimes, but I, but at the end of the day, uh, my perspective on that is that, you know, all the decisions and all the mistakes that we made got us where we are today. And so I'm quite happy with how far we've made. So, you know, it all had to be part of the journey. I think if I had known how challenging it was going to be, I would have maybe not dared to even start. Yeah. So I think it's also good to just only be aware of the problems that are closer to you in time. How do you stay inspired with work, especially during a pandemic? This is something I talk about a lot when people ask about starting a startup. And, and we talked about this in the beginning, that for me, it wasn't really a want to start a company, but it was rather a want to solve a problem. You know, we really are passionate about getting more girls into technology and finding a solution to change diversity numbers in tech. So at the end of the day, it's been about the problem and being really, really passionate about this problem. And if our solution might not work today, that doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist, right? The problem is still there. So it just means we need to iterate on our, our solution. And so I think being so problem focused is really helping through the sort of hardships because it's extremely motivating. And of course, another thing is the team. At least for me, it's been extremely helpful to build this company together with two incredible co-founders and a really great team. And, you know, we all have better days and worse days. And so having a team that can sort of support through the hardships, it has been, has been super valuable. And I really appreciate that. How important is trust to you when you're self-employed? So I mentioned earlier that I started my company sort of straight out of my master's degree. Like I had internships at uh, larger tech companies, but not full-time jobs. And so being self-employed also means that you are responsible for motivating yourself, for uh, evaluating yourself, for holding yourself accountable. And these sort of all work together, right? So you have to create frameworks where you're able to uh, tell yourself, oh, you did a good job here, right? Because... 
before when I was in school, it was so obvious, you know, how to get a good grade. And, and, and you know, it was sort of a, an easy game to play to, to do well. But right now, there is, is no one who can tell you that you're doing the right thing. So it's really up to you. Part of that is the hardship of being your own boss. Marking your own papers. Exactly. When to let yourself give you an A. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think making your own framework for that, so actually setting your goals and holding yourself accountable is extremely important, not just because that will help your company forward, but because that's how you can stay motivated. And get job satisfaction as well. A huge adjustment I'm finding, like laptop guilt, was like, when am I allowed to enjoy an hour away from my work and switch off, you know, and not have to feel like I owe it even more time. So that's a huge learning. Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy most about being your own boss? It's about knowing what are the most important things to do, but Beyond that, you you know, you can decide to change your schedule. Uh, you can decide to work remotely. So all these things are great perks to being your own boss. On the other hand, as the company is growing, it is also important to learn to enjoy the amount of responsibility that you have. And I do find that exciting as well. It's a weird mix of both having the flexibility, but also having to be extremely responsible and dependable, right? So while you might have a flexibility to change your schedule, if there is a certain culture that you want to build and, you know, daily send-ups are sacred, then of course you also have to attend those daily send-ups every day. But I'm quite enjoying being able to, you know, have this uh, mix of flexibility, but also having to, to be the person who sort of leads by example. And what is it you enjoy the least? Because no job is perfect, even when it's by your own hand. Yeah, like all the things that they didn't tell you about when you were to set up your company. And also, I started my company in Sweden and I'm originally from Hungary. And at the time, I, my Swedish was really poor. I still don't speak it so well. So, you know, I managed to set up and do the paperwork in Swedish. And of course, that until today, <laughs> I have to handle all of all of the paperwork. And, and of course, that's not my favorite. Especially in a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, but these are all just parts of the puzzle and things that need to get done for you to really be able to focus on grander vision that you're working for. What did you learn about working with others during this time of being self-employed? Well, one thing, again, just going back to to the mission and the vision and, and just being aligned on that, I think is extremely important. But I also learned like how much you just have to communicate. And I think to the extent where it might feel like you're over communicating, but it's better than than just making assumptions. So I think one of the most important learnings for me recently has been just how important it is to clarify both the vision of the company, what we're working on, but also sort of practicalities of, of everyday life. To be specific here, you know, you have to be aligned on, on both the the big picture things and also what a certain emoji reaction means on Slack. So, you know, to that extent, <laughs> uh, clear communication is extremely important. And to me, I think that has been just my one of my most recent lessons. Is there any golden nugget piece of advice that you would like to offer a new founder? So I think I touched upon this earlier, right? There is no golden formula, I guess, for everyone. You sort of have to find your own style. And also you have to be aware that what works for a month or a year may not work afterwards. So I think it's just having this uh, extreme open mindset and, and being ready to adapt constantly, I think is, is what one needs to embrace. And of course, just being comfortable with uncertainty. But still, I believe having this sort of focus on your big picture vision and, and the problem that you set out to solve, and then having a strong team around it are the most important things, in, in my opinion. And then of course, 
I am really heavy believer of sort of just testing, testing, testing with your target users. You know, if you're a product company, at least, you know, get out there as soon as possible. So for us from the start, it's been, you know, launching and getting paying customers, launching a hardware product uh, with like 3D printed prototypes and, and putting it in the hands of real users. So I think for me, it's been extremely important learning that. I really like this quote that, if you're putting out your your product and you're not embarrassed, then you probably launched it too late. <laughs> so you know that's brilliant. Um, I'm very very open to just showing what we have um, and sharing it with everyone and sort of like passing the dinner table task. So you know, just talk about what you're building. A lot of people are afraid uh, to talk about what they're building either because they think someone will steal their idea or because you know, they're embarrassed of it. But at the end of the day, to me, it's just being like, just be open about it. You never know who you're going to come across, who will be excited, who's going to help. And really, uh, somebody stealing your idea is very unlikely because at the end of the day, it's usually not about the idea. It's about the hard work that you put into it. If I have to summarize, it's it's really problem-focused, the team, and then just getting out of the building, testing and talking to people, and getting feedback as early as possible. Thank you, Dora. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about your story, and good luck with everything going forwards. Thank you, and really appreciate it. <laughs> it was really fun talking. It's been great to hear how committed Dora is to solve the problem she'd identified in getting more girls into coding. And I will certainly work on my framework of accountability myself following her advice. If you'd like to contact Dora, you'll find her details in the show notes, along with a recap of all the advice she has so kindly shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up, hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups, Fallowfield and Mason. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. And if you'd like to submit a question for a future guest, please head over to the SpeakPipe link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.